0: You're listening to the podcast of Rain City Church. All right, well, good morning. It's finally summer in Washington. Uh, I just got back from California. That's why I look like I'm from Miami Vice this morning. (laughs) glad to be here with you guys this morning. When my uh, first son was born three years ago, we were in Encinitas, California. Um, he will always be a little Cali boy. Uh, he's like always tan and has bright blonde hair. Um, and then our other son is, of course, you know, pasty white and red hair um, like me. So Naya was blessed and Crew was not. Um, no. No. Um, But when Naya was born, we were so excited as parents. Uh, We were first-time parents, obviously. We were so, so pumped that our kid was finally here. I remember the week before Naya was born, uh, the doctors told us that we would be having the baby that week, that Kelsey was already dilated, and so we were so pumped. And um, he didn't end up coming for a week, so we kind of like waited around on pins and needles for a week. And that week, I kid you not, I would come home from work, and my wife would be on a bouncy ball eating hot sauce packets. She's like, it's coming out. It's happening this week. I'm like, okay, this has gone too far. (laughs) When he was finally born, um, there's three moments as a parent that you're like, wow, this is real when your baby is first born. Okay. The first is when um, the nurses leave the baby with you to sleep the first night at the hospital. Like, I was like, you you can't leave a baby with us. We just met him. Like, can you keep him on something so we know he's still breathing? And, no, he's fine. I'm like, but we're not fine, you know? The second scary moment was driving in the car with my new infant. I'm a lead foot, okay? Born in California, like, drove in California. Like, people in Washington hate how I drive, and I don't care. And... I like I, that was I literally drove like 20 miles under the speed limit in California, which is I think is more dangerous to drive that slow. But I was like, I we can't get in a wreck. Like we lived like an hour away. My my wife was so mad. And and then the third scariest thing was sleeping with our baby at home. And I don't know if we just watched too many SIDS videos or what, but we were just like so freaked out that our baby would like roll over and suffocate and die. We're just like so sure it was gonna happen. And so we're like, okay, what can we do to combat that? Oh, I know, we just won't sleep. We'll just look at him all the time. And so I, I kid you not, we would take turns at nighttime. We would literally like, I would hold him and stare at him for four hours and she would sleep. And then we would swap after she fed him. And, and we did this for weeks. Okay. And the first night was like, oh man, he's looking at me so beautiful. Like I could watch you sleep forever. And then night three, I'm like, you're less beautiful. I'm really tired. You know, week two, I'm like, why did I have kids? I'm exhausted. And exhaustion like totally changes everything. Right. I don't know if you've ever been like chronically exhausted. If you've been a parent or if you are a parent, you know what I'm talking about, but like your emotions are so out of check right? Like, you can't even think, you know, healthy about anything. Like, the banana falls on the floor, and it's like World War III happened, and you're crying, you know? Like, your perspective is all blown away. You think, like, your wife is out to get you. She's like, can you pass the milk? And you're like, what do you mean, can I pass? Of course I can pass the milk. What's that supposed to mean? Exhaustion, right? It, like, it really affects us. Not having rest, not having sleep. I love the summertime because in the summertime, we get to rest a little bit, right? There's kind of this healthy rhythm of uh, school's out and, um, you know, works the same because we're not in school anymore. Unless you're a teacher, then you're blessed. Um, (laughs) And during the summer, during the year, well, we pray for you. Um, But like during the summer, it's just this really natural time for rest. I mean, theoretically, You know, and then you look at people on the east side, and it's like, we travel more. There's more sports games for your kids, like nine club sports that he plays. There's, uh, you know, we have to visit every family member around the world, including, you know, Aunt Martha, who we don't even like. And, uh, you know, attend all the barbecues. And it's like, wait, summer already happened, and I've just, I still feel tired, and now school is starting. I think if we're honest this morning, we live lives that are completely way too full. And I think a lot of that is because our desire as human beings cannot be quenched. That our desire cannot be filled. And part of that is by design. Part of that, God created us to be creatures that had desires to be human beings that desired something bigger than ourselves. That was intentional. What we've done, though, is we've desired everything that the world could give we've we've filled every we've you know every we're just like if we just if we can just experience enough things if we can achieve enough things and i'm going to my desire is going to be filled and i'm going to feel whole see our desire is that empty spot in our heart that we feel like it's just missing did you guys know that the current estimation is that we see 4000 advertisements a day 4,000 that say, eat this, do this, be this, sleep with him, buy this and you'll be great. Get that car, work out more, lose that weight. Buy more sneakers. And then we pair that with social media, right? This desire for everything. Then we pair it with social media. And then social media tells us we don't have enough. And guess what? You're not enough either. Because the dude that travels the world with his family called the Bucket Family, anybody else? You, everyone can do that. Unless you're a millionaire, then you can't. But everyone could technically do it. I hate that account. I hate that account so much. <laughs> But man, like we, we, live, we live in a world where it's just everything I don't have and not everything I have. We desire so, so much. And I think that's what bleeds into us just never stopping. Do you ever feel like you just never stop? Like every part of your life is filled. And even when you're stopping, like you can't turn off, right? Like we, we stop and then we like binge Netflix and Instagram and we're like, man, I like sat around all day, but for some reason I feel more stressed out. It's like, well, that's because Stranger Things is scary, okay? I love that show. (laughs) Did you guys know that the second most common cause for death among young people from 10 to 24 is suicide? What the heck? Something is wrong in our culture today. There's something psychologists are calling hurry sickness, a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Mayor Friedman puts it this way, a continuous struggle of unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. That's the culture we live in. And if you're sitting here today being like, this is not a hope-filled summer message, I'm sad. There's so much hope today because I believe, I desperately believe and have faith that God has invited us into something much better. That the life that culture would have us live, that the life that social media would have us live, is not the life that God intended for us to live. And I'm not saying that the things we're involved with, right, the relationships, the jobs, the the trips, the camping, those are all beautiful things. They're all gifts from God. But when they become everything, when they become every day, all the time, Something truly breaks inside of us. And if you don't believe me, there's evidence all around that our culture is hurting. That more than ever, people are on anxiety medication and on depression medication. And that disconnection is on the rise. There is something very wrong with the way our culture operates today. But there's so much hope, like I said, the Bible has a lot to say about hurry, rest, Sabbath, and a better way of life. And they say it a few times throughout the Bible, in the creation story, it kicks off in Genesis, where God creates everything in the whole world. He creates you, he creates me, and then on the seventh day, even God himself rested And the Ten Commandments, the commandments that God gave Moses on uh, this big mountain with like thunder and lightning and fire and all this crazy stuff, the fourth commandment was that we would remember the Sabbath day. And then thirdly, if we would look at Jesus' life in the Bible, we would see that Jesus is consistently and constantly, he would go out, he would meet with people, he would heal, he would teach, he'd just be going nonstop, and then he would fade away and he would rest. And he would have his Sabbath. And oftentimes, it's actually funny if you look in the scriptures, Jesus is usually sleeping when the craziest things are happening. Like, consistently. Like, that's gotta teach us something, right? (laughs) Just sleep when stuff is hard. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Here's my question for you this morning Are you tired? Are you tired this morning? And I don't just mean physically, like, like sleep. But like tired, like in your soul, like emotionless, like spiritually in a drought, like worried about your life, like your perspective on life is negative. Are you tired this morning? Here's what it says in Matthew. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. May pray for us. God, we just thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today. God, that people would hear from you and not from me. God, that people would know your desire that you have for them in their life. God, that you desire for us to be full of life and joy and hope and space in our life, God. And so I just pray that, God, today we wouldn't feel condemned or shameful, but, God, that we would feel an invitation into the life that you called us to live, a much better life. Amen. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says this, "'Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy.'" Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, just want to point out real quick, the seventh day is your Sabbath. So I think there's a lot of confusion. Everyone just thinks that Sunday is just naturally the Sabbath, and the Sabbath looks like church, nap, barbecue, bedtime. Okay? Like, that's what it was for me growing up. It was like, we just, nothing was open on Sundays. We just went to bed. But Sabbath is really just that seventh day. So for my family, we do it Friday night through Saturday. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreign residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. No work on the Sabbath. So, bummer, not even our chickens can work on the Sabbath, guys. Our chickens can't work and our kids can't work either. So that's a bummer. The house is going to be dirty. What's interesting to me about this commandment, right, is keep the Sabbath day holy, practice the Sabbath day, is I think most of us, if, if we were honest, like, we try to follow the Ten Commandments, and I think most of our culture does, right? Like, don't murder somebody, like, okay, check, don't steal anything, hey, you shouldn't covet other people's stuff, or their wives, or their husbands, like, yeah, probably shouldn't do that, like, all of those commandments, right, like, honor God, like, hey, okay, cool, I, I can get that, but... Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's not something we do very well, right? Like if, if someone works all the time, we don't be like, hey, man, you should slow down. We'd be like, wow, dude, you work hard. Like way to hustle, bro. Dang. You know, it's like, that's, it's like, a, it's like a woo, go get them. And it's the same in ministry, right? It's crazy. If, if a pastor was to break any commandment, you know, publicly, people would freak out. You know, like if Jesse, our lead pastor, it's not me, by the way, so you can come back. Jesse, our lead pastor, if he broke a commandment like stealing or murdering, like people would be pissed. Right? But if a pastor works all seven days and ministries grow, you know what happens? He gets a raise. Not here. Our elder board believes in Jesus. But everywhere else. Everywhere else, if a pastor works seven days and things grow, he is actually given an award for that. Way to go, making ministry grow. What is wrong with that? It said on the seventh day, God made the Sabbath holy. You know what's so interesting is that God created the whole planet, everything in it. He created you and I. And yet, you know what he calls holy? Not us, not the earth. The only thing that God calls holy in his creation story is the Sabbath. What does holy mean? It's exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. And so what is the Sabbath? How do we practice the Sabbath? Sabbath really is just this. It is a day of rest. And when I was a kid talking, you know, I don't think we talk about Sabbath very much, but when I would hear about Sabbath, I thought I just meant like, hey, just go in your dark closet and just pray all day. It's like, that sounds terrible. Like, I don't want to do that, you know? And so I think we have to get out of this mindset of Sabbath because I think it looks much different than we uh, would like for it to look like. Because Sabbath really is just a day for us to slow down, a day for us to unplug, A day for us to worship God. A day for us to spend with our families. A day for us to be thankful and not want. The Sabbath is like a restart. It's a break time to get back to what matters. But I think, if we're honest, this idea of Sabbath is very foreign and a little scary, if we're honest. Part of my role here at Rain City is I oversee our youth staff so I work with a lot of young people, and um, whenever I do one-on-ones with my, my staff, I always ask, hey, how is, you know, how is your life? How is, how are your priorities? You know, like, are you feeling balanced? Are, are you getting rest? Because ministry is such hard work. Um, so I just was like, you know, always making sure, are you healthy? Are you okay? Are you being poured into? And they just kept saying, well, I'm just so tired, you know? Like, and what's crazy is I sleep all the time, but I'm just so tired, I'm like, okay, well, let's look at your calendar, you know, and it's like seven days of like 8 to 9 p.m. just filled, and most of it was really good stuff, like nothing was like bad. It was all so good, like most of it was growing God's kingdom. Most of it was working with students or working with, you know, kids that are surviving from cancer. I mean, it it was a week full of amazing things, but she was exhausted. She hadn't stopped to connect back to the source. In order for the Sabbath to work, it has to be a part of our weekly rhythm. And that's our first point today, is the Sabbath, we have to Sabbath as a rhythm. We have to do it continually. And here's what I want to encourage you guys in today. Anybody ever, like, you know, stopped working out and then started working out, and it sucks? Okay? So in your first, like, month or two of working out, it's awful, right? Like, you're just like, I think I'm getting fatter. I, I, like, I feel like I'm actually gaining weight in the places I'm trying to lose weight. And I feel like, you know what I mean? Anyone feel that way? Okay, just me. And so, my metabolism's finally slowing down. I'm so bummed about it. Um, I actually have to care about what I eat. No more Taco Bell. And um, so, like when you first start working out, it takes a long time for you to feel or see any differences. And then after like month four, month five, you're starting to tone out a little bit. You're like looking in the mirror and you're like, dang, I'm gonna keep working out. This is working. But for the first few weeks, you're like, I don't know, this kind of sucks. It's the same with Sabbath. What I found when I started practicing the Sabbath on like a very like every week, we're gonna, we're gonna unplug from social media, we're gonna spend time as a family, I was hit with some pretty nasty truth, and that was that my soul and my heart and my mind weren't okay. And we often find that when we slow down enough, right? So many people are scared to slow down because that means you have to come to terms with who you are. And what I want to encourage you in today is if you start to practice the Sabbath, is that the first few weeks are not going to be fun, this, the fat that you're trying to burn away, this, this stuff inside of you that's kind of nasty is going to come out. But what's amazing about the Sabbath is when we are honest and vulnerable and slow down, God can actually heal those parts of us. Because God cannot heal the thing that you're pretending to be. God can't work in your life through something that you're pretending to be, but he can heal who you authentically are. And so when we practice the Sabbath as a rhythm every week, we can actually be vulnerable and honest with this God that loves us and sees us and longs to heal us, but we have to be ourselves. And so when we practice the Sabbath, we can get into a rhythm of authenticity and vulnerability. And let me tell you, God shows up in such a beautiful way in those moments. Um, Crew, our other child, I just noticed that both of my stories today are about my kids being born. So I don't know what that means, if that's super spiritual. You guys are going to be born into a new season today. It's called practicing the Sabbath. This is little Crew when he was born. He was born a month early, and he um, was just under five pounds, and I could literally fit him in my palm. And I, I remember... Um, they did an emergency C-section on my wife. It was terrifying. And um, I caught a glimpse of it and I'm forever scarred. And uh, I saw like the reflection from the light down into her stomach and was like, oh God. And then they pulled the baby out. I'm like, here you go, dad. I'm like, <laughs> <sighs> okay. And so Crew was born a month early and um, really his whole pregnancy was really scary for us. You know, we kept being told that he probably has a a brain infection or I mean his his head was so small and he wasn't growing and so we were just like couldn't wait for him to be here you know like in our arms when we could take care of him and, and see him and um, then when he was born it was pretty traumatic you know like it was uh, emergency c-section he was breached and then um, the first few weeks after he was born were like complete chaos it was like I think Naya was in the ER twice for being sick with high fevers. I was in the ER once because I got bit by a poisonous spider on not just one leg, but two, and my whole body broke out in boils. I kid you not, okay? And, you know, all the while, my wife is, like, bleeding out in bed, and she's not healing well, and I just remember we're sitting in the car, and we had just left a doctor's appointment where we got some kind of sad news about our son crew, and my wife and I just looked at each other and just started crying just like, how do we do this? How do we be parents? How do we keep doing ministry? How do, we, how do we keep doing all this stuff? And then we just felt this still small whisper from God and it said, just come to me and I'm going to give you rest. It says this in Psalm 23, 1-6, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside quiet waters, and He refreshes my soul. You guys catch that? He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's almost like He thought we'd be stubborn and fast moving human beings. He knew exactly what we needed, and He knows exactly what you need today. He guides me along the right paths for His namesake, and even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup it overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We don't just practice Sabbath as a way to create a healthy rhythm. But we practice the Sabbath as an act of resistance. Because let me tell you something, there is an enemy. In the Bible, it says that he is out there to kill and destroy and take your life away. And I think oftentimes, if we're honest, we are way more prone to hear his voice over God's. And that's why we desperately need the Sabbath today. In a culture where there's so many voices, we need to tune in to the right voice. Because the wrong voice this morning would tell you that you're not okay. The wrong voice this morning would tell you that you're alone. The wrong voice this morning would tell you that if you just get that job promotion, you're gonna feel happy. It's okay, your family can can deal with you being gone. It's okay. You're loving them by working hard. The wrong voice this morning would tell you that if you just leave your wife and go sleep with that, with that other guy, you'd be just fine. The wrong voice this morning is gonna tell you that you are surrounded and there is no way out. But if we practice the Sabbath on a rhythm and use it as a resistance, you know what happens? Our frequencies change. And we start to lean more into the frequency that God is speaking at. Because let me tell you this morning, God has not stopped speaking. God is no different than the God he was in the Bible. And you know what? He talked to people all the time in the Bible. And I don't see a scripture where it said God changed at this point and now he no longer talks to us. God is speaking this morning and he wants to speak hope into your life, but we have to get on his frequency we got to stop hearing the lies of the enemy and start listening for his still, small voice. And you know what? Sometimes he whispers, and you know why? Because just like a father, he wants you to get closer. He wants you near. Here's my question again. Are you tired this morning? I know I am. I'm tired. I want something different from my life. I want something different for Rain City's life. I want something different from my family's life. I want to live in a way that my friends and my kids know how to rest, that they know how to get on God's frequency, that they know how to live a life that's not going to end in suicide or anxiety or depression. And those things happen. I've dealt with those things. they are very real. And I'm not shaming you for those things. Sometimes that just happens. That's not a part of your life choice. But I want to live a life where my friends and my church and my family know what it looks like to follow Jesus and to practice the Sabbath. Not because it sounds good, but because it is the way that we have to live in order to survive. And it is the way that God is offering, I believe, our generation, this church, new life. That people would start to notice that, man, folks at Rain City, they're alive. Man, they are on a different frequency. Man, their life looks totally different. Do you close your eyes with me this morning? What I wanna do is, um, we're gonna end service today with just a spiritual practice of meditating. Um, give you a little bit of insight into just what the start of your Sabbath could look like and um, I just encourage you if you you plan to start the Sabbath this next week um, it can be so simple just a day of rest and simplicity unplug be with your family eat good food lots of good food but here's a great way to start Before we get started, I'm just gonna pray for us. Lord, I just thank you for my friends in this room, God, that are, are desperate for you. God, there are people in this room, my friends and I, God, that we are just so passionate about the folks that live outside of these walls. And God, so many of us desperately need you. We desperately need rest this morning. We desperately need your peace this morning, God. God, I, I just pray that your spirit would fall in this place right now. God, I just pray that people would feel your presence in such a tangible way right now. God, that they would know that even if you they can't hear you, that they just have this feeling, God, that you're speaking to their hearts and that you're drawing them in and you're saying, come to me, I know you're stressed out. I know you're burnt out. Take my yoke. Take my peace. I gave it to you. I give it to you. Here's what we're going to do with every eye closed. I would love for you just for a moment, just think about a place in the world or somewhere in your imagination. Just think of something that, a space that you love, the scenery that you love. Maybe it's sitting by a lakeside or by the ocean or on top of a tall building, but just think of a, a place where you just feel at peace. Think about the sounds that you're hearing and the smells and what the environment's like, what your breathing is like. What, think about what you look like in that picture. Picture yourself there. What are you wearing? What do you feel like? And then I want you to picture God sitting right next to you, whatever he looks like for you. I just want you to picture him right next to you. What does his face look like as he's looking at you and talking to you? What are you hearing him say as you tell him about your life and, and tell him about your pain and your tiredness what hope is he whispering and if he's saying anything that doesn't feel like hope or being proud of you or encouraging it's not his voice and so I just encourage you to tune into a different voice I want you to take a moment and just tell God exactly how you feel God, I'm tired. Man, I've been waiting for you to show up. God, I don't think I can do this anymore. God, I feel like I'm surrounded. Be vulnerable for a moment with God. And then take a moment to listen to what he's saying because I promise you this is what he's saying that I love you and that I see you and there hasn't been a day that I haven't been with you and I'm so much better than that thing and the life I'm calling you to live is so much better than what you had planned out and the hope that I offer is so much better than anything you could ever do in your life and I just love you so much and I see you and I know you and I created you. Would you come to me? God, we are just grateful for you being here. God, for inviting us into a new way of life, God, of of practicing a rhythm that is connected to you, God, of practicing rest and experiencing a restoration that only you can give, God, and that we have that available every week through you. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for the cross, that we could even live a life connected with you because of the death and the cross that covered our sins that we couldn't deserve and yet you freely gave it, and you freely give it every single day. We love you. Amen. Well, hey, just a few next steps for you guys before we close our service today. If, if um, any of this was interesting or uh, hit a chord with you, um, I just put together a list of recommended reading. Um, that goes along with how to practice the Sabbath and what it looks like and how to practice it in our cultural moment right now. And so you can check a box on your app in the connection card. It just says next steps and you can check that box and we will send you that list of recommended reading. Um, I've also created a spiritual practice of just like, here's some things that you can do on your Sabbath. So here's a thing that you can do on your day off. Um, there will be spots for if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you're single, if you're married. Just some ideas for how to start practicing the Sabbath. Um, because I believe that, like I said today, we, we have to change. And we have to start following the life that God has called us to live. Amen? Amen. Well, why don't you stand with me? Um, I'm going to pray us out. Next week, I am so excited. We—it It is really special. So Rain City is like this church, man. It is so generous that Charity Water, this massive organization that sponsors water projects all over the U.S., has said, we're going to send a representative from Charity Water to come care for your church and speak to your church and give updates on the real life change that is happening through water because of your generosity. So um, Charity Water is bringing in a representative. Um, His name is Pedro, and he will be with us next week, and it's going to be an amazing Sunday that you cannot not miss. So be here. Bring a friend. Come see all the cool work that is happening directly because of your generosity. Um, It's amazing to be making an impact on people that you may never meet, but you'll get to hear some cool stories next week, and we'd love to have you here. 10 a.m. back here at Bellevue High School. Let me pray us out. God, we thank you for today and for your hope for your good news. And God, would you send us out today to be your people? Would you send us out today to be your love and your hope to our communities and our families and our friends that desperately need it, God? Would you continue to use Rain City in a powerful way? And God, I just pray that as people would leave, that they would know that you are with them today and that you love them so desperately. We thank you for that love, Father. Pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks a bunch, guys, and we'll see you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information and resources, go to raincitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.